Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris, Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan, and our second returning guest, our friend Corey Shoemate, Streamlit Campus Pastor. Corey. Right, Thank you are. for being here. Also, guys, fun fact here, Corey is also the first guest to win an award for the best made-up word. What was that word? Do you guys remember that word? Snacktivities. Snacktivities. I don't think it, I certainly didn't make that up. For eating raw spaghetti. Yeah, but it's a, a made-up word. It's yes. definitely a made-up word, and and we hadn't heard it before. Yes. Yeah. Are so you admitting that you you plagiarize this from somebody? Oh, I plagiarize all the time. But yeah, <laughs> but, I, right. but I admit that. So that's that's great. You know, I've had a couple of people come up to me and, and say like, "Oh yeah, we we heard your, the podcast that your episode you're on." And and all they want to talk about is the pasta and how strange that is. Because it is weird. It's man. very yeah, it, weird. It is weird. In seminary, I was told, don't come up with an, a sermon illustration that's too good. It'll take away from what you're talking about. And I feel like that is taken like away nothing from everything else you don't say for we the rest remember. of your life. Yeah, right. I challenge you to. Sure. Well, before we get into today's episode, Eric, what do we got? For it's today? time for our, our favorite segment. It's time for a time ambiguous banter about major social events that may or may not have happened this past weekend because we record these podcast episodes a few weeks in advance. Mm. Hey, Corey, <laughs> how was your Thanksgiving weekend? It was crazy. I cannot believe, I can't even put into words what happened around my dining room table. Were there snack activities? There were snack absolutely. Mm. That's one big snack activity. Mm. That's what Thanksgiving is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, Black Friday. It was nuts. Do you see what happened? I, that you one got store? a black eye. Oh my goodness! Wow, that line was crazy. Yeah. The, the fights that ensued. I, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just like the turkey caught on fire, right? Somebody's <laughs> turkey had to catch on fire. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody's did. I'm sure. <laughs> This is such a dumb segment. <laughs> I was stuffed for two straight days. I had to. I wore my sweatpants from Friday morning until Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. The, the, the I'm footballers, sure some the footballers were on, right? Like the, the football. How did, how did you enjoy the football <laughs> games, Clayton? <laughs> the, oh man, they, they kicked. They kicked some things, <laughs> and they, some things. they ran all over, all over that court, and uh, <laughs> they just. They just they just toss that old that old pink flesh all the place. I was I was riveted. All right, well this wraps up time ambiguous banter about major social events that may or may not have happened this past weekend because we record these podcast episodes a few weeks in advance. Wow. Nikki, That's a long segment. Oh, man, you're comic guy. Tell oh, us what we're talking what are we about. Talking about? Today? Okay, so uh, we are actually starting a brand new book of the Bible. We are in the Old Testament book of Judges, and we we've got a great passage to introduce this book. Um, I'll be honest. Judges is a is a uh, bizarre, disturbing kind of book. Uh, there are some incredible stories, um, but it gets dark. So just be prepared for that. Um, one way that really helps us understand it is um, kind of getting a big picture of kind of the pattern of the book and the way uh, the the stories are structured. And the passage we're looking at today kind of describes kind of like the big overview of what that pattern looks like. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking for. Um, And it will help us when we get to some of these disturbing stories where like, why is this in here? Um, This passage actually helps explain why those kinds of stories were included. So uh, the passage we're looking at today is Judges chapter two. We're going to start in verse six. So Eric, why don't you read? Where am I reading until? Uh, 23. All right. Verse six through 23. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. 
Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath-Herez, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount... I don't know how to pronounce that. Mount Gosh. Oh, gosh. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors, who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. All right. Let me give just a little bit more context here just to show where this is in the kind of Old Testament story. So uh, thus far, over the last year and a half or so, we have read uh, in the Old Testament the Pentateuch, which is the story from the very beginning, mostly up through the story of Moses and the Israelites after they are freed from Egypt. And that story ends with them coming right up to the edge of the land And then Moses dies, and then Joshua leads the people into the land. And they go into the land, they take over, but they don't take over the whole thing. There are still some people living in the land. And so Judges picks up after Joshua has died, and Joshua has said, go in, take the rest of the land, drive out the people that are there. This this belongs to you uh, from God. And yet they haven't done that. And so there are still other people groups that are around Israel, uh, which is part of uh, the situation that they find themselves in here, uh, both because... Those people groups um, threaten them with their gods, so they're the other religion that they offer, but also militarily. So they're they're fighting, you know, wars between them, uh, but they're also being tempted to follow their gods. So that's kind of the the context that we're in. Um, let's start with the O in comma, which is observation. What do you guys see here in this passage? That there is a nasty cycle that we're going to see in the book of Judges where the people forget God, do whatever they want, worship other gods. It goes bad for them. God sends some kind of hero to save the day. Then once that hero is gone, they go right back to their old ways. And it doesn't it say it even gets worse, like in each cycle that we're going to see in Judges. So it's kind of, we're, in, we're anticipating as we read through Judges that it goes from bad to worse. Yeah, I think connected to that too, verse 7, it says the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua 
and of the elders who outlived him. Um, but then it says, after this whole new generation, after that generation died and a whole new generation rose up, um, they for- they forgot God. They forgot what he had done. And um, I think that's an interesting observation because it's, it's kind of striking. Like, oh, yeah, if someone's not faithful in preserving and passing on this this faith, like, people forget. Yeah, it was the generation that had seen the things God had mm-hmm. done. So they were they were the people who, you know, they were the eyewitnesses so they could say, this really happened. So they obviously, like, were good at seeing things but not good at, like, telling the story yeah. again, you know, yeah. like passing it on. Things go bad real fast. That's, like, that, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you're struck if you read, you know, the Exodus story and then, you know, Numbers, Desert Wanderings. You got, like, God disciplining his children, it just reminds me of like if, if you like if you have a kid and you're trying to teach your kid how to ride a bike and you got the hand on the back, you know, and then there comes that moment where you, you know, are running alongside and then you let go and you have some expectation that there's going to be like some traction, like a little, little bit of space down the road. And it's like if you like let go and then instantly like face plant like, like, it's like, oh. or, or like or discipline if, if we're maybe more in line with the passage. Like if you have a kid who you're like, okay, enough, like time out, go to your room for 10 minutes and then like come out of the room and they like don't even make it back down the hallway before they <laughs> do something do something completely awful again. You're like, did you not, did you not just, what just happened? You like not remember any of that? Yeah. Uh, so this is like, this is, I, this sort of reads like a, like an expose, like somebody who's trying to like embarrass God's people, like kind of let, <laughs> let a secret out. Yeah. This, this doesn't read like, this doesn't read like a text that you'd find in a book where like that God's people are saying, this is our book. Yeah, we like own, it's, we own it's, story. it's not it's not showing off how great no, they are. No, not at all. Which I, th- I think is a, a differentiator too in in like against other religious texts as well. It's yeah, just, if you read old like other countries, like the the writing that they preserved, yeah, yeah. it is it is just bragging. Like yeah. the whole thing is bragging about how great they yeah. were and how the gods loved them and so on. Yeah, this is is a mess. The exact opposite. This is a mess. <laughs> I'm cheating a little bit because I'm going a few verses prior to to verse six, which is where you had me start reading, but it's still in chapter two. Yeah, so, let's do it. Um, where it talks about the fact that when when God had given them the land, he wanted them to essentially remove all of the existing people because of their evil practices, the false gods they worshiped, and he didn't want the people of God to engage in worshiping false gods and a lot of the evil practices of the people that, that currently live there. And so it says that they were supposed to break down the altars but they end up worshiping at those very altars, right? Which included child sacrifice, right? So there was a lot of really nasty stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I, I see this, uh, there's, there's these little kind of passing comments here, like in verse 15, uh, when it's talking about how God was against them and kind of, you know, they had, they had rebelled, so he's pushing back. And it says, just as he had sworn to them. There are a couple other places where it talks about uh, the covenant that they had made. So some of this, we can read like God's reaction. One way to read it would be, He just got ticked off, like, oh, we finally annoyed him so much. Um, But probably the better way to read it is to say, God told them, hey, here's the agreement that we've got. Here's what's going to happen. That I'm, I'm like, on your side, and we are going to be partners in this. And as long as you stick with me, I got your back. You know, like, you don't have to worry about anything. I will drive out the enemies. I will will defend you. Um, But if you say, I'm going to go search out some other God and kind of enter into a relationship with them... Then God's saying, then you're saying you don't want me to be your defender and your mm-hmm. helper. In yeah. fact, you're you're saying you're going to side with my enemies, and so uh, that means I'm against you. And so uh, it wasn't it wasn't something that was a surprise. It was God saying, "This is how it works. If you're with me, I'm on your side. If you want to if you want to go trust in somebody else, some other God, one of these other ones that are kind of out there on the menu, you go see how that's going to go. But predictably, this is how it's going to look. You know, 
and sovereignty permeates the passage, right? This is not just God letting things happen, like taking his hand off the wheel. It says the hand of the Lord was against them. Like this is God saying they, they are an instrument of discipline in, yeah. in, in my hand. Yeah, I think going back up to that top of the verse that Eric mentioned, uh, is it earlier in the chapter, verse verse two of chapter two, God actually says, yet, yet, like, yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And it, it, you kind of get like, I don't know, it's like when I was a kid, right? And you'd done something wrong. Your parents like, why did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> right? And it's like, I just, I just did it. You know? Well, why? Well, I don't know. But because that's just like a, it's just like this default response of like, well, I'm sorry, you know? And then, of course, there's this, okay, well, I did something wrong and now I have to face the consequence for it. And it's like, you know, that you storm off and it's like throw a, a tantrum, right? And you, it's because you experience this grief, right? You just got in trouble. You just lost something. You know, maybe you lost a privilege or had something taken away from you that like is, it feels like this dire thing. And then, but, but as a, as my, you know, my parents always were like, okay, well, you can come back downstairs now. Like you can come back and be a part of the family again after you, after you're done. Right. Um, but then as kids, then we just end up doing the same thing over and over again. And that's Mm. essentially what's happening here. You know, uh, why have you done this? I don't know. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the thing that God does when he rescues them. Okay. So like, it's the inviting back the kid back in, right? So there's something remarkable about the fact that in spite of the fact that they keep doing this again Mm -hmm. and again, like God actually does rescue them. Mm -hmm. Um, but he raises up a judge when, when you read that word judge, um, what, what kind of initially comes to mind with that word? Like, what's the picture of a judge when you hear that word normally? Like a courtroom, you know, black robe. Yeah. White wig, gavel, mm-hmm. behind a bench, yeah. a courtroom judge. Making yeah. decisions. Yeah, that is that is one of the misleading things about this book. It's it, Our word judge almost corresponds in no way. Mm-hmm. To judge right. judge Judy. Judgment. Yeah, Judge Judy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 this is not courtroom cases. So um, when, when the Bible refers to judges... It is raising up people who are essentially military leaders. So they're they're kind of um, temporary people who rally all of the the mm-hmm. you know people of Israel to fight back against an invader. Um, at the time, uh, this is going to be a theme you're going to see in the book of Judges. Um, there was no king, so there's no central yeah. leader uh, in the in the country. This was a confederation of tribes. There's you know twelve tribes and all these different clans, and they're kind of loosely connected based on family, um, but there's no like central government. So when they needed to coordinate together to fight off an enemy, someone had to rally the troops. And so the judges are essentially kind of, you know, generals that get lifted up and and God says, go do this. Now, it also included some spiritual leadership um, and some things that are, you know, making decisions like judges might mm-hmm. do. But but that was that's very kind of far on the periphery. It's mostly a military leadership um, to, to resist uh, an enemy. And, so, and they're regional within Israel, right? So there's multiple judges at the same time. Is that how we're to understand that? Uh, that's that's a tricky part. So if you, this is this is in one of the, I'm sure if you've got a study Bible, you will find some chart that has something mm. about this. Mm. Um, the timing of the book of Judges is, it's not clear that mm. it's perfectly sequential. So when you start reading it, right. like this one followed, this one followed, this one, but there are some that it's pretty clear that it's like it overlapped at different times. And so mm. it's not perfectly chronological, um, would it be fair to say that all of Israel knew who Gideon was, per se, per se, or? Uh, that's a good question. 
That's a. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to answer that. I, okay. I think I think it would be the case for at least some. He of wasn't them. just his regional like people no. in his. Okay. Yeah, and it, it is it is to draw together people from right. from more than okay. just a local Sounds area. Like. I think I think in order it goes Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Judge Joe Brown, Judge <laughs> Judy, <laughs> Gideon. Gideon. I think that's I think that's. But the is this hi- highlight of reel of just some judges? Uh, if it in or maybe the highlight of that time, like that's. But if we don't yeah. know, we don't know. I I, I don't know enough okay. details. All right, stump, stump the teaching bastard. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Let's. Uh. Any any other observations that you want to highlight from the passage? Here's a quick one. I, uh, I'm curious how this strikes you guys because as I look at the the words for uh, the the turning point of when when God relents, right? In I know it's going back to verse four, but uh, when the angel of the Lord had spoken these things, like the bad news about them turning, the people wept aloud. So there's there's one instance, um, and then verse fifteen says, uh, whenever uh, Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them. They were in great distress, right? And then uh, there's verse eighteen, which says the Lord relented because of their groaning. None of those words get at what you might call repentance per se. Like, it's just like, they're, they're just sad about their, like, but sadness doesn't equal repentance just because they're groaning and in distress. But, but, but later in Judges, doesn't it say that they, they did turn from their ways? Well, it, um, it, it would talk, uh, let's see, verse 18, where is it? 19. Right. Yeah. Uh, there, there are places where it says like, while the judge is alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yes. They, you know, like in the same way as it started with Joshua, like right. as long as they were alive. As long as like, dad's they around, st- they behave. Yeah. They kind of stuck with God. Right. But as soon as they were gone, out yeah. of sight. Mm-hmm. I think you see that. I think we'll see the answer to your question as we read through the book yes. of Judges and we see cycle after cycle after mm-hmm. cycle, which is reminding me, you guys remember Walk Through the Bible? It's such an mm-hmm. old. So Walk Through the Bible was this program where it had pictures and cards to kind of get you acquainted and memorize mm-hmm. all the themes of each book of the Bible. And so right, right now in my head, in my own imagination, I'm seeing the card for judges, which was a judge, like a court judge with a black robe, riding a bicycle to remind you that, <laughs> that <laughs> oh, judges is about, round is about yeah. cycles. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. But you, you do get some sense as we read through judges yeah. that there is some sense of remorse or repentance before God because yes. mm-hmm. they, they do certain things to at least kind of hint at the fact that they're turning back towards yeah. the God of Israel. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a great question. You want to hold those things in tension that, that the life of a Christian is one of repentance, right? Like it's, we, we will fall. However, if you are constantly entering back into the same cycle of behavior, you, at some point you have to ask, am I actually repenting or am I just sorrowful over the, the consequences of my sin? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. When, when we were using the illustration before of, of kids getting disciplined, mm-hmm. like there, there are times if, if, if I discipline my kids where you can almost tell, like the, it, it looks similar where there's an upsetness, there's like a sorrow, there's like, but there's a difference between the, I'm upset I got in trouble and, I, and I'm looking forward to this punishment ending and the, I'm not, I'm upset because I realized this was wrong or I hurt another person or something like For that. Sure. So like, they, but sometimes- and It's hard to tell them sometimes apart Sometimes they're kind of both there, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to M, uh, which is message. What message did you guys get from this? My message was don't forget what God has done. I think it's it's pretty clear that uh, when we forget, that's when we end up in, we, we find ourselves in situations that we we would not have found ourselves in had we remembered where God uh, would want us to go or what he would want us to do in certain situations in life. Mine is the torch of faithfulness never gets handed off automatically. 
Hmm. There's and and I. He's come back, a long. Uh, he's come a long oh way boy. since snacktivities. Snacktivities. Like, wow. Okay. Should I? Okay. Yeah. I. I. So my subtext in that, just because I have to, right? So I said faith, faith that is next gen oriented. The whole thing is that faith falls apart at the next generation. It's forgotten. Per, per uh, Nikki's point. But I said faith that's next gen oriented uh, involves developing leaders, remembering the basics, and removing sin snares. So like. Faith should not die when the leader dies. Like that's not a, a, a resistant, resilient faith. Mm-hmm. Remembering the basics, simply p- passing on to the next generation. Here's who God is and here's what he's done. That That is up to the church and the families. Like we, we should never give up that going back to the basics. And the, the last part is the removing sin snares. So you can actually keep opportunities for sin. This is the, the, the asterisk, you know, poles, the, the, the Baal, you know, t- there's these artifacts that are there that, that they kind of lie dormant. But they become, it's called snare for a reason. Like sin, sin opportunities that lie dormant never lie dormant forever. They, they will catch up with you one day or, or another. So if we are not actually, it's not just about not sinning. It's about removing opportunities to sin and sin snares so that you don't just trip yourself up, but also the next generation. So we have to really take that responsibility seriously, not just for ourselves, but what does it look like for people who come after me? Uh, my message is coming out of verse 15. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them. Uh, so my message is, if God said it, you can take it to the bank. And God is not unclear. He is a God that speaks and communicates. And he has been very clear with us about the things that he blesses, the things that he's behind, right? And the things that he is against. And you see throughout all of Judges and the entire Bible, that everything that God says, he does. I think, uh, uh, Corey and Nikki, you kind of uh, used the kind of pattern in the cycle here to talk about going from one generation to the next, so kind of, you know, groups of people over time. Mm -hmm. I I think we can apply, and we kind of have shifted back and forth, you can apply this to also your individual life. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are patterns where uh, you you know you experience some uh, some some discipline some shaping some consequences mm. uh, and it may be repeated and so uh, my my message is learn the lesson God keeps trying to teach you mm. and that keeps trying to teach you uh, it's it's pretty loaded because it is both a um, like a, an insistence of like it is not okay in your life to persist in sin but the fact that God keeps teaching you is also a mercy. That there, there, there is a, a kindness that God persists and says, it's not just one time and you're done, but even when you turn back and you fall back, um, that God would continue to say, but I'm going to try to teach you this again. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call you back again. I'm going to, uh, you know, let you feel the pain, but also offer you the mercy again. Um, it's an invitation to learn the lesson that God keeps trying to teach you. All right, let's shift to the second M in comma which is meditation. And so I'm going to jump off of my message here and and have this be a part of our meditation. The, the question I'd like us to prayerfully ponder here, we're just going to have about 45 seconds, is, is there something that God has been trying to teach you? Is there something that he keeps bringing up, uh, something that uh, keeps coming up again and again in your life, and you need to pay attention and learn the lesson? 45 seconds, pr- pray about that question.
All right. And now we come to A in comma, which is application. This is where we ask the question, so what? What do we do about this? How do we respond? How do you guys respond to this passage? Uh, for me, when going off of my message, that so don't forget what God has done, um, it, it has this uh, use it or lose it kind of mentality for me. So it's, you know, if, if I'm not conscious to recount who God is and what he's done or what he's meant to me in my life, um, the, the truth about it kind of loses its significance or its meaning. Uh, and sometimes I think that's what causes us to forget. So I think we have to be conscious to remember and to allow uh, God's goodness and his faithfulness, no matter what area of life, uh, whether that's in the good or in the, the tough times, to root us deeper. That remembrance roots us deeper into our relationship with him. Uh, just because my <clears throat> message had to do with next-gen discipleship, um, I think the, the application for me, so I'm, I'm a, a dad that's a relatively new dad, six years, you know, in, into it, three three boys, um, have been following Christ for 13, 14 years. And I think there's a, a point in all of our lives where we become parents maybe or or start caring for people who are younger than us. And, and the same is true of us spiritually, that we spend the first X number of years, sort of just doing a lot of intake and a lot of absorbing, you know, what's true and and how to how to live. There needs to be a shift to to say I'm not just going to do the intake thing. I'm actually going to make disciples myself, uh, and that's a responsibility that each generation bears because all it takes is one generation that refuses to do that, and and the train stops. Right. So so we say I'm gonna I'm gonna really take this torch passing seriously within my own family, with my spheres of influence, but also to say, I'm, I'm not just going to be a disciple. I'm going to be a disciple who makes disciples and, and God willing, make disciples who then make disciples. So this thing, this thing keeps going and going. Mine is similar to Corey's, but not quite as articulate. I want to tell more stories. You know, you ever hear the, the, the quote, you are the only Bible that some people might ever read? It's, it's talking about how you live your life and be an example, but closely related to that would be God has done things in my life. I have seen God do things through me, near me, around me. I have witnessed the goodness of God and to just share those stories more because people need to hear them. I, th I think sometimes I just forget and assume that my experience with God, everyone is the same for everybody. And so if we just all share more stories, especially with younger people, Corey, I think that I think there is a difference between reading a story in the Bible for for a young person in particular, right? Cuz you you expect the Bible to be about God and God's activity, but then when a normal human that you can touch and hear and smell, hopefully good smells, <laughs> uh, tells you a story about God's activity in their life, I think there's there's something different about that. I like that because it gets at not just theology. I'm not going to communicate theology, which we may say that's reserved for certain people. But, you know, verse 10 says, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done. And that second part, what he had done, we, every single one of us can share, here's what God has done in my life. And that's, that's true of any individual. Yeah. For my application, uh, thinking about, you know, lear learning the lesson that God keeps trying to, to, to teach you, um, what struck me in terms of application was what one of you said about the snares that were left there. You know, part of the reason the, the people failed to learn the lesson was that they didn't really get rid of the things that were there to tempt them back into that or to, you know, uh, provoke kind of a, a, a relapse. So um, looking at the things in my life 
that are the things that even when I am genuinely sorry for something that I've done, are the situations or the circumstances that uh, make me fall back into those old patterns. Sometimes it's like, well, why are you so surprised that mm-hmm. you did that again? Because you were in the exact same state of mind, in the exact mm-hmm. same place, in the exact mm-hmm. same circumstances, and you didn't change any of that and thought you, you would do it different. Um, and so to actually look at those things and say, how do I need to modify that so that uh, it, it's not a snare uh, to me in that way? Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Well, friends, that is all that we have for you this week. Thank you for listening. We hope that you join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.